0: Tobin. Kathy. Today we are revisiting one of the most popular stories we've ever done on Nancy.
1: We have ever done. Yes. It was also one of the first stories we had on the show. Mm -hmm. It involves all of our favorite things. Musicals. Well. The outdoors. mm -hmm. Awkward preteens. Always. And it centers around a certain kind of role model that a lot of our listeners really related to.
0: So we're going to play that conversation for you now. And then afterward, we'll find out what happened to the two women at the center of the story. Tobin. Yes. I want to tell you a story about a girl named Sarah. Hi, my name is Sarah Liu, and I live in Chicago. She's a grown-up now, and she's in her 30s. She's a radio producer. Love it. But back when she was a kid, she'd go on vacation with her parents to Wisconsin. Love
2: it
1: less.
0: (laughs) They'd stay on a lake where they'd fish and hike and all sorts of outdoorsy stuff.
3: When my folks had their fill of outdoorsy activities, they'd take me to a nearby town to goof around um, because there are interesting shops and restaurants there to kind of switch it up a little bit.
0: And their favorite spot to visit was called Henry's General Store. It had outdoor equipment,
3: a canoe hanging from the ceiling, and there were wool shirts, like Pendleton shirts or Woolrich shirts,
0: mittens and hats, whimsical wind-up toys, high-quality pens and pencil sharpeners, and notebooks, leather-bound notebooks.
1: So basically, this is is like your dream store. Yes,
0: canoes and high-quality pens. What else do you (laughs) need in this world? They'd go every year and they talked to the woman who ran the store. Mora
3: had blue eyes and short hair and brown bangs that kind of like swoop in front of her forehead and just like a really kind voice and just a, a warm persona. She was probably wearing like dark jeans and boots and like a cool flannel <laughs> or some kind of comfortable but classic outdoorsy look. I thought she was super cool and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I wasn't usually like a shy kid. I was a pretty talkative, precocious kid, actually. But around Mora, I kind of clammed up a little bit. There was just sort of, for me, this sort of like charge in the air, like uh, kind of like an electricity or something that just like something was up.
0: The thing is, Sarah probably only ever talked to Maura for like 10 minutes total over all those years. Even though our interactions were very brief, Maura still loomed large in my life. So eventually, Sarah became an adult herself. She came out, she went to college, she got married. And over time, she kind of forgot about Maura in the general store. And then one day she's at this concert, and the person performing sings a cover of the song called Ring of Keys.
1: Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Uh, I know Ring of Keys, Cappy. Do you? It's from Fun Home. Is this a story about a musical?
0: No, it is not a story about a musical, because I don't like musicals. But you are the musical guy, so why don't you explain Fun Home?
1: <laughs> <laughs> With pleasure. Okay. So Fun Home is about the queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel And the scene that this song, Ring of Keys, is from is when Allison is a little girl, maybe like 10, and she sees this butch delivery woman with short hair and jeans and this Ring of Keys on her hip, and she is completely entranced. Your swagger and your bearing and just right clothes, you're wearing your short hair and your dungarees and your lace-up boots. And your keys oh your ring
3: of keys. When I heard it I I cried a lot. I was like just totally transported back to being twelve and being in this store and looking up at the storekeeper Mora and thinking like, oh my gosh. Um, and it's it's kind of like it was a very charged moment and I was like instantly taken back there.
0: Sarah suddenly realizes that Mora was her ring of keys person. The adult that showed her who she could be someday. That triggered
3: these memories of childhood and made me think about Mora and what she might be up to and I wondered if I could like go back to Henry's and what that would be like to walk back in as an adult and uh, and like say hi to Mora. But I found out that Henry's was closed. And then I did a little internet search in, found her email. I I wrote her and I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I'd really like to talk to you. And she wrote back. Hey. (laughs)
2: Wow. How's it going? you. What's up?
3: I haven't seen you in like 15 years.
2: This is amazing. You're so grown up. <laughs> I can't
3: believe it. Okay, well, do you want to go to the studio? I would love it. Awesome.
2: The name of my store was Henry's, and my name is Mara Kutugian.
3: The first memory I have of your store is you had, like, a bunch of back issues of Outside Magazine that, like, <laughs> didn't sell because they were old or yes. something. But you're like, but it's a cool magazine. And then you gave me a bunch of like (gasps) copies of it. And then I read it and like, I still subscribe to that magazine. Wow. And I've read every issue for the last 20 years.
2: So. (laughs) I'm just, I'm smiling ear to (laughs) ear.
3: (laughs) So how would you describe the general store?
2: I think I had this idea in my head. Grab your backpack, grab an amazing pen, grab a notebook that feels good to you, and go walk outside and write.
3: In my memory, there's this sort of like Northwoods, Norman Rockwell almost, nostalgia kind of thing going on. Yes.
2: And it gave me an opportunity to kind of live in this alter ego of the Northwoods and snowshoeing and, and skiing and wearing buffalo plaid and kind of the fantasy of the 40s and somebody being in the Adirondacks, although we were in Wisconsin at the time. I was always open, and I never hid being gay, but I never necessarily talked about it. It just wasn't, unless it was part of the conversation, there was no reason to... I, did I ever say, I don't remember ever don't, saying anything about a partner. I, I can't imagine think you I would did. have.
3: Yeah, like it's not like you're like, hi, hi I'm, I'm a, gay. Welcome <laughs> to Henry's General Store. I'm a
1: homosexual.
3: <laughs> the pens are over there. <laughs> I've always kind of wondered more about your life. Can I ask you sure. some personal questions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you tell me uh, when and where you were born? So, born in Newton,
2: Massachusetts, and grew up in Waltham, right next door. How would you describe your childhood? It was awesome. I was incredibly lucky and am incredibly lucky to have parents who always encouraged us to think outside of the box, even when things like gender identity and sexuality were not part of that thinking outside of the box. I was very fortunate. I went to Armenian school. I did Irish step dancing. No wonder I'm so confused. <laughs>
3: Um, Can you tell me more about your alter ego?
2: Um, There's always been a part of me, certainly since I was younger, that I liked guys' stuff. I liked guys' clothing. I thought it was much cooler. I thought, why every time I want to buy something, does it have to be purple or pink? So I think there was that little alter ego, that other part of me, whether we want to call it androgynous, uh, growing up. I feel very fortunate that I have had that. I get to see kind of both sides and to sometimes be called sir which still happens I'm 53 and I'm it still happens.
3: Yeah, I get sirred also. I look like a teenage boy right now I'm wearing a yes.
2: flannel I have very short <laughs> hair and jeans. I've sort of had the same thing and up until I was probably in my mid 40s people still thought I was a, a young boy or couldn't quite figure out why I had such soft skin uh, (laughs) and gray hair. (laughs) Um, There were those moments when I was little where people would say, oh, your sons are so handsome. And I'd be like, ooh, I love that, right? It was empowering.
3: Yeah, I feel like when I was misgendered as a kid, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And, like, it embarrassed other people. Yes. I wasn't embarrassed. Yeah. You know?
2: I would get embarrassed when other people would figure it out. And then they would be embarrassed or something. I mean, one of the worst is I was wearing a shirt that had the Declaration of Independence on it. And somebody came along and, thinking I was a boy, put his hand on my chest and was reading it. It was one of the worst days of my life. To this day, I still remember. And it was a lot worse than just like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, I've never really forgotten that moment. And so, Yeah.
3: What was the hard thing about that?
2: I think the hard thing about that was laughing about it afterwards, that everybody found humor in it. Haha, isn't that funny that he thought you were a boy and you were actually a girl? What what am I? What can I do? What am I allowed to do? I think I always knew something was—there's no doubt I knew from a very, very young age that something was different, but I had no language— for it. I had no visual language for it. Uh, Nothing.
3: So I used to come to your store Mm -hmm. with my parents probably around 1996, 1997.
2: Wow, just when I opened.
3: What are your impressions of me then, or how would you describe 12-year-old
2: Sarah? (laughs) 12-year-old Sarah was so, gosh, you were so cute. I remember you and your parents would come in. I can still see you, you put your hands in your pocket and you dig them deep in. And you'd kind of tighten up your shoulders a little bit. And everything became not stiff, but certainly regulated. Your head would be down, but you'd kind of look up at me. It was so sweet. So sweet. And I used to think, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if... She'll be gay. And I do my best. This is not how I, I don't go around <laughs> making assumptions. And, and I don't think we anybody should go around and make assumptions and assessments. However, I was doing with you in that moment what you were doing with me. There was a connection.
3: I think it's just game recognized yeah. game. And there's a certain skill or, like, art to being a gender-fluid person in the world. Uh, and when you, like, see someone else doing that, it's like, oh, hey.
2: you, you It looked familiar.
3: So, like, in my girlhood, I think it was cool to be a tomboy or encouraged, but, like, around 12, you sort of Mm. get the message, that's not cute anymore. Or, like, if you're going to grow up, you have to change. And then going to your store where there is this, it opened the possibility of, like, an adult tomboy (laughs) life that was of personal significance, both the store, but also you as an individual embodying that, too. Mm. Being a little awkward 12-year-old gay kid and then seeing a very charming, confident gay adult, it allowed me to imagine Mm. an adult version of myself, which was huge, but also the layer of my parents thought you were cool, and so that made me think that they would approve of me being gay. Wow. (laughs) So that's a lot. Do you have any Um, get up off the
2: floor? Uh, Thank you. That is the oh I am getting choked up. Yeah. Thank you. Ooh. I never knew That I could... It's okay. (laughs) That I could actually be a role model for somebody. That's pretty powerful. That's really powerful. So thank you.
3: Thank you for being that role
2: model. (laughs) Wow. It's interesting that I may have appeared confident 20 years ago, that deep inside, and not at all. What was going on? I just couldn't seem to find a lot of happiness. So I was happy on the one hand, and yet I can remember feeling like unhappy on the other. I think I was depressed and didn't really know it, didn't understand it. I think, I think a lot of what was going on was still not sure who I was. I just didn't have the confidence in me. I loved my store. I knew that the store uh, represented me. That felt good. I knew how I fit when I rode my bike. I knew how I fit when I was in my canoe. But yeah, there was a part of me that didn't know how I fit in the world. I was just trying to figure this out on my own. And were you the you were the age that I am now when what? I met you? <laughs> I was thirty two when I opened yeah. Henry's.
3: Yeah, and I'm thirty two now. Wow. Yeah.
2: Wow, yes, okay, Sarah. <laughs> I think you already know this, or I hope you do. You are gonna be okay. <laughs> you are awesome. I look at you and go, "Gosh, I wish I were that cool when I was thirty two. You have your parents who support you. You're married. I'm uh, c- congratulations, oh, by thank the way. You. you too. Yes, I just got mm-hmm. married on New Year's Eve. That was beautiful. That is beautiful.
3: So I have one last question. Yes. How do you keep your keys? How do you carry your keys around?
2: How do I carry my keys around? Oh, here. I'm going to show you. Yeah. All right, hold on. Oh. Isn't that awesome? It's something I would have carried at Henry's, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. The outline. I can't believe I love my keychain.
3: Do you want to see my keys? Yes, I do. (laughs) Of course, I have a Crafty Beaver Hardware Store customer rewards <laughs> tag on it. Because I go okay. to the hardware store. Hey, oh, could wow.
2: we just, you know, that's like your lesbian ID card. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> that was Sarah Lou and Mara Katusian.
1: After the break, we check back in with Sarah and Mara.
0: Hey, Nancy listeners, here's the thing you might not know. You can have your very own ring of keys inspired by Sarah and Mara's story as a thank you for supporting our show.
1: Yes, they are these beautiful handmade leather keychains with our show's name embossed on them. Mm-hmm. They're actually a lot like the one you made for me at campus summer, Kathy. Aww. Very sweet.
0: We've got just a few left, and one can be yours as a thank-you gift for donating just $60 or more by the end of this year.
1: Like all the shows here at WNYC Studios, Nancy is supported by you, the listeners. We literally can't do this kind of queer storytelling without you.
0: Not to mention that all donations are tax-deductible.
1: And giving is super easy. Just go to nancypodcast.org slash donate or text the word Nancy to 70101.
0: Thank you for an amazing year. And now, back to the show.
1: Kath, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Did you have a Ring of Keys person?
0: I've been thinking about this, Tobin. Mm -hmm. And I thought back to when I was a baby and a toddler Mm -hmm. and a teenager. Mm -hmm. And what I've come up with is no. No. I do not have okay. a Keno person, unless you count Angelina Jolie, but that, that's maybe a different We've thing. We've talked about this. That's that was a different, a different
1: thing. thing happening with Angelina and
0: yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you? You have a moment?
1: Well, so my sister was a professional ballerina. So uh-huh. that meant as a preteen, and I don't mean to stereotype here, but I was around then a lot of out proud gay men who were also ballet dancers which I thought was nice.
0: Tobin, your sister is a professional ballerina. Formerly. And you are a professional cellist.
1: Also formerly.
0: And your brother is a professional
1: artist. Currently. (laughs) I know, we're like the Partridge family.
0: It's just unfair. (laughs) Okay, so we also heard from a bunch of you about your own Ring of Keys moments, the people who helped you realize your queer identity and how much they meant to you. We got so many emails and tweets. It was so cool to see how much the story impacted some folks.
1: Well, and recently, Kathy, you and I were in Chicago, Uh and we were curious what kind of impact that conversation had on Sarah and Mara. So we brought them together to find out.
2: So what have you been up to since, you know, we, we got together, what, seven months ago?
3: Yeah, since the episode came out in the spring, um, I quit my job at Chicago Public Radio, and then I was fabricating wooden benches for an architect, just doing little random things like that, and then preparing to go back to school as the oldest person (laughs) in my master's program. Wow. Also, my wife and I are trying to adopt a kid, but we... Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm not a specific kid. We're like, <laughs> sorry, that's a confusing way to say that. Um, we are a waiting family in the state of Illinois to adopt a kid.
2: Congratulations! Thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys will be amazing parents. Stop. No, swear. I
3: really mean it. <laughs> We're gonna try to do our best.
2: Wow. Um, so, how about you? What have you been up to? Um, I think kind of more of the same, really honing in on what I want to be doing. I do life coaching and wellness coaching and leadership coaching. And then actually my wife and I just bought a condo. Yay!
3: Yeah. Yay!
2: Wow. I can't believe it. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. So the tub was just delivered today from what I understand. So Ooh. Actually, that's You going to try it out today? Uh, well, <laughs> no. Uh, but... <laughs> You might want to swing on by because we could use a little help carrying it up the stairs. Yeah, no I was problem. just thinking about that.
3: Well, actually, like, your place is on my way home from my bike commute. Hmm. So just anytime time you need. Y- you to- might be the one we call.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's it. I, but again, I, and I think to kind of the point of what has happened since then, those are the things that have happened. But I would also say that those things are happening with this whole new energy that I have because of this, with a whole new perspective.
3: Yeah, it was great to meet Marquetta, your wife, too. I follow her on Instagram.
2: <laughs> we all went out to dinner to our favorite restaurant uh, and got to meet your wife, Jane. And four of us had a really lovely time of just connecting for people who, well, first of all, I hadn't seen you in 20-plus years. <laughs> and then we brought our our. our Partners, our spouses, our wives, into it, and it was really a, a fun, fun night to get to know you as now an adult uh, <laughs> in a marriage with a house. I've seen the I've seen the house photos. I've seen the work that's being done. <laughs> and how did this impact you in terms of when people listen to this, parents or friends or, or whatever? What kind of response did you get?
3: I think the thing about it that is the most impactful is like I don't really think that I had felt like seen to the degree that I feel seen now after producing the piece with you and that it makes me feel, like, more comfortable in my skin just navigating mm. the world. It makes, like, everything else seem um, more
2: possible. Can I ask, like, if feeling like not seen, what allows you to feel seen now?
3: I think, like, because I, I was able to, like, talk about something deeply, um, like, personal and sort of at the core of who I am, I had this, like, thought, like, is this going to make sense? Like, are people going to understand this? Mm. I'm not sure. I'm a little bit of a space alien. But then, like, <laughs> then people did. I was like, oh, okay. There's just, like, a relief that it's possible. Like, that's the conversation that I don't, I don't have or I don't get to have with other people, really. And then to have that conversation with you and, like, connect over that and then also... Have, like, other people hear that and be like, yeah, that makes sense. I know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah. you do?
2: <laughs> so actually, in some ways, realizing that as alienish as we feel or as different as we are, there are so many people out there who feel exactly like we do. And we're and sometimes just waiting to hear somebody else talk about it mm-hmm. that they could relate to. Yeah. Of course, now I'm probably going to cry again. There you go. Um, by you reaching out to me... Um, That ripple effect, I think, of what ended up happening, your generosity, allowed for me to feel tremendous gratitude. And hopefully, in turn, I can ripple that out and share with other people. So uh, I actually had people come up and say things like, you know, I had this one woman that I knew 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and I think I'm going to talk with her now. And should I do it? And I said, please, it's the best thing that somebody will ever do for them to reach out and let people know how important they are and were in their lives, and that they also realize that there are probably people that they are impacting in their lives right now, and they don't even know it. And I think that was the most powerful point of this, uh, part for me in this whole experience that you brought to me. So thank you. I really encourage people to just, if somebody made an impact, Matter how small or how large, you know, reach out and let them let them know, and don't be worried. I think you said you were concerned that reaching out to me, like you were a stalker or something.
3: Right, like right, yeah. <laughs> like if if that would be like, whoa, like who's this person? Why are they trying to talk to me?
2: Yeah, yeah. and I was I was honored and thrilled, and it sounds so corny, but truly, this has changed my life.
1: It is credits time. Our
0: team is Matt Collette, Jeremy Bloom, Elizabeth D., Jenny Lawton, and Paula Schumann.
1: We're going to take some time off to produce a whole bunch of new stories, and we will be back in your feeds in 2018. Until then, I'm Tobin Lowe.
0: I'm Kathy Too,
1: And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.